This is Give Me Some Truth, a podcast from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. You gotta leave your money behind you. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Keith, if we were doing parliamentary procedure, how would we open the meeting? That's a good question. I have no idea. I, I, th- I figured a learned man as yourself would know that. I would think we would bring the meeting to order, right? I, I believe called so. Called to order in called some order. fashion. Oh, yeah. okay. Nate, can you call the meeting to order then? I call the meeting to order. I feel like I should second that, right? <laughs> On oh. this day of yore. <laughs> uh, uh, could I could I uh, take the 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 floor? You, you know, does the gentleman from uh, Fitchburg? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I recognize the gentleman from Fitchburg, Wisconsin, Mr. Ponywaz. Uh, never from Fitchburg, please. No, that's actually where I was born. But uh, I, I, I have. Uh, I think it's a little bit of the airing of the grievances. But uh, actually, I wanted to bring up a little story that I think is uh, relative to what we're going to talk about today. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I bought some concert tickets. And, uh, you know, you guys jumped in on them as well because I had special pre-order uh, privileges. And we bought the tickets. And I said, you know, just pay me when you can. I gave both of you a loan. And I said, you're both good for it. Now, we paid Keith for that, right? One of you paid me I'm for that. I'm pretty sure we did. I'm not going to mention who didn't pay me for it, but they're making a very grim face. Uh, but the reason I'm bringing this up is not because uh, I'm particularly angry about it. It it's seems because like he's angry about it. it, it I'm going to check through my PayPal feed right now, <laughs> by the way, just to assure that I did pay him. But the, the reason we're, we're, I brought it up is because we're going to talk about loans today, but we're going to talk about them in uh, you know kind of a different form than people normally think of them. We're going to talk about them uh, in bond form, right? Which is a bond. The of funnest form of loan. <laughs> I prefer if you'd use the term debentures. <laughs> so the, everybody, everybody loves a good bond story. And I think, as you brought up there, Nate, part of the reason that people don't like talking about bonds is they're kind of dry. Well, I mean, do you consider a Triscuit dry? I mean, <laughs> that, that, is, the, is the Triscuit the bond of the cracker world? I would say so. You got to dress it up. You're never eating a Triscuit without anything else on it. So, you're, you know, that's why we all own stocks. You know, you so got to flavor Triscuits yeah. are like the junk bonds, right? They're the, they're oh, the, the yeah. synthetic Ooh, bonds. Maybe, yeah, they're the synthetic. You're <laughs> leveraging that bond out there. Actually, the, the, leveraging, basil the leveraging is when when you have the typical dinner of crackers and gin, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how you lever up that bond. That's Triscuits and gin. I like how you tried to pass that off as a typical dinner. The typical dinner as though everybody's had that before. <laughs> well, if you had some cured meats to it, then you get away with it. Well, then right. it's fancy. I mean, then it's multi-course. You have to hold your pinky up when you drink your gin. <laughs> so w- what is a bond? though a bond is when unlike with your mortgage where the bank loans you money you're actually loaning someone else money right and what we've been hearing about of late is what's called the inverted yield curve and before i think we get too much into talking about what that means for investors and so on we might want to take a step back and just talk about bonds a little bit you know what what goes on and so like any loan with a bond you're giving money to a corporation or the government 
and they're paying you back with, with interest, right? And so we track all the time those interest rates. And generally, the, the view is, you know, I think I declared both of you are good for it, right? I paid, by the way. Oh, boy. Hmm. Wait, what? You paid what? February 9th. February 5th, 2009. Money sent. How much? $75. Wow, that seems like a lot for a concert ticket. Well, incidentally, uh, my wife said, what is this on the calendar? Vampire Weekend? <laughs> this is totally weird. What are, what are you doing with Keith? And I'm like, it's a show. It's it's a band. You thought it was she, like a dress up party? Like, I, that would be awesome <laughs> if you two were going to some sort of Halloween party. I really think party. she thought it was just weird. And I'm like, no, it's not. And she's like, okay, I get it now. I, I've never heard of that before. I'm like, okay. Well, well, yeah. Well, she's mostly country, right? She is mostly country, yes. Okay. As I'm attending two country shows this week, which, you know, I, I, I used to like country a bit back in the day. I, I was a 90s country kind of guy, Alabama guy. You know, I liked Garth Brooks at the time. A uh, little Brooks and Dunn, as, as your wife has uh, been blasting in the car, Nate. So, Much yeah. to the chagrin of your, of your children, I think. So. Yeah, right? Uh-huh. Son specifically, yes. So uh, basically, I declared you both good for it, right? And gave you zero interest loans on that. What a fool you were. <laughs> In retrospect, big mistake. But, you know, I had just joined the firm and was trying to, you know, be nice to you guys. Uh, and so what essentially with the U.S. government, we, we think they're good for it, right? So basically, they can pay us back with the least amount of interest of anybody. Corporations. I did send Keith Ponywa's $75 right here. Wow. So then, huh. I, oh, I must have. Oh, oh, man. And the truth comes out. <sighs> so I'm going to have to go back and relook at my PayPal account. By the way. <laughs> Painful glass wh- wh- of truth that Keith must drink in front of us. <laughs> By the way, uh, Mitch decided we were all about 150 years old that we were still paying each other with, with PayPal. What are we supposed to use? Uh, Venmo. Oh, that's dumb. By the way, uh, PayPal if, owns Venmo. If it's Kevin's listening, thing. Kevin, we think it's dumb too. Yeah. So. Well, okay. Let's just talk about Venmo. Venmo is a way that you can tell all your friends that you gamble and that you launder money. That's I don't know why you would do that. I, I don't want to be like, yeah, I'm avoiding paying taxes or taking in income by using Venmo and telling my friends about it. It's incredible. To me. Why, why does somebody need to know that I paid you back for a pizza? Who cares? What is it that's so stupid? Like, well, you can't tell me that. You only can tell me it in emojis. Oh, that's, that's, oh, that's stupid. Everything's about emojis. That's really what it comes down to. And if we'll be uh, writing a blog post about this just with emojis, I think, after this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and 280 characters. <laughs> <laughs> the complex world of bonds in emojis. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the implication, and it turned out to be true, is I lent you guys some money, $75. You paid me back right away. No interest because I knew you were good for it. It was going to be fine. I didn't have to put that money out on A the zero street. coupon bond, if you will. Exactly. Yes. Now, normally, when you loan somebody money for a longer period of time, unless you know, they're a really close friend or child. Usually there's some payment plan interest involved. And what we generally find over time is that if I'm loaning you the money for a longer period of time, because there are more risks involved, uh, you know, I'm going to try to charge you more interest. Uh, you see it uh, with, the, with your bank, right? Uh, if you take a 15-year loan, 
the rate is going to be lower than if you take a standard 30-year mortgage, right? And simply because the risk is just greater that you won't be paid back over that time, correct? Yeah, uh, there's more, there are more variables that arrive, right? I could have loaned you $75 and, you know, said, oh, pay me back in, in March. And, you know, you could have lost that $75 gambling on the NCAA basketball tournament and just not been able to pay, pay me back, right? So the longer we go out, more risks. So generally what happens is, you know, if I'm going to lend you money for 10 years, I'm going to charge you more uh, interest than if I'm loaning you for a couple of weeks. Well, what's been going on lately? What is this inverted yield curve we've been hearing so much about? Well, the long rates now are actually lower than the shorter term rates, which is just odd if you think about it on the surface. And that's why it's such an anomaly, right? Uh, because you would say if I if it was a 30 year bond, you would almost you would make the assumption that almost in every environment that you could think of, the rate would be higher on a 30 year instrument than it would on a, say, five year instrument. Yeah. And so what we've seen in, in technical terms lately is that the 10 year U.S. Treasury, which, again, we think the U.S. government is good for it. So we don't have any uh, risks regarding uh, them defaulting. Uh, the, the concern is primarily growth and, and inflation. And so we've seen a 10-month bond. The yield on that is now lower. That is to say the interest rate is lower than a two-month bond, which is really kind of nuts. And what does this mean for markets? What is this or what are the pundits on CNBC telling us about that? Well, they're saying that tomorrow the sky is going to fall in and we're going to go into a recession immediately because we have an inverted yield curve. Uh, sell everything, run away, be right. scared. Yeah, we're told to be very scared. I don't understand it. Like, it's just, it's just a point in time. It's not a big deal. You know, yes, there is some data that suggests that. Um, but it's, it's just a slight anomaly. And we don't know whether it's going to be here long term or not either. Well, and, and we're living in an odd period of the bond markets as well because interest rates are historically very, very low. Uh, inflation is very, very low. And so we don't know if this is just noise, you know, when the difference between a two-month and a 10-year is kind of standard at 0.2%, you know, because we're looking at low growth and low inflation over the next, you know, those are the predictions. And it could just be trading noise. You know, somebody wanted to unload some some 10-year treasuries and that caused this kind of ripple. Or it could be a predictor of, you know, longer term kind of trends. I, the, the similarity that I can draw is if, if you would say that it's, um, it's a fact that a, um, a heavy uh, prolonged thunderstorm can lead to flooding. So therefore, if there's going to be a thunderstorm tomorrow, there must be a flood. Yeah. Well, no, uh, that's not true. That, that can lead to a flood, but it doesn't mean that every thunderstorm is therefore going to produce a flood as a result. Yeah, I think it gives you those sort of uh, flashing lights there to just take a pause and take a look at the situation and say, yes, that could be a cause for disaster in your uh, analogy there, Nate. Uh, but it doesn't mean that it's going to cause the disaster, as you're alluding to, which I think is a very good point. And I also think that... Uh, you know, it perhaps signals that rates were raised a little too quickly by the Federal Reserve. And it's such an odd time now because we were just talking just 12 months ago. We were talking about how low the rates were and how the rates had to go up. And we were talking about 
four to six rate increases in 2019. We were talking about in, in early 2018, and now the whole tables have been totally changed. Yeah, and, and we're talking about, yeah, cutting rates. I mean, there's some talk of that. Um, you know, the, the thing that always pops to mind with an indicator like this, and there are lots of other ones, you know, and we can, we were talking about some of our favorite ones, you know, death cross or this cross or that cross is, you know, they, they generally have predicted 15 of the last three recessions, right? They, they, you know, people say, well, this has happened before every recession. Well, lots of things have happened. And so what we're seeing now in the, in the world of interest rates, though, is, Growth, you know, is not as aggressive as people thought it might be. Uh, and the other big problem, the other mandate of, of the Fed is to think about inflation. And we're not seeing a great deal of, of inflation. We're finally sort of seeing labor market pressure stretch out to the workers and that wages are starting to go up at, at a good rate, but not at a dramatic rate. And, you know, people are starting to pay down other maybe forms of debt or, you know, put those wages into other things, but we're not seeing this, you know, great inflation. And I think that, that what's funny about it is you, you hear the phrase, you know, whatever indicator, XYZ indicator has happened before every recession, right? Okay, fine. That might be a fact. But what they don't tell you is how many times has XYZ indicator happened and there have, and then we didn't have a recession, right? So let's play that out in numbers, right? So let's say that the last three recessions that this indicator happened before the last three, but it also happened 10 other times that, that where there wasn't a recession. If we had that last bit of information, I think it would frame the conversation better than simply saying and stopping the sentence at this indicator has happened before the last three recessions, therefore be scared. Well, right? and I think one of the problems is, is that the inverted yield curve is not a common event. So we don't have that many data points uh, when you're talking about the whole stretching it all out. And secondarily, I would say that uh, the last one that we had was 06. And, you know, I think it got, it got close to touching it, you know, over the last few years, actually. And, and it may have like intraday, but it hadn't been a longer period of time. This is expected to be a little longer. Uh, but 06 was the last time when it truly inverted for a meaningful amount of time. And then all of a sudden we had obviously 2007, 2008, everything fell apart um, in 08. So, you know, that I think that's fresh in people's mind and, and they sort of extrapolate this inverted yield curve with what happened in the Great Recession. Yeah, I mean, uh, in 2005, 2006, 2007, we all saw inverted yield curves. And that's one of the other kind of difficulties, right, is predicting, is timing this. And, you know, so we've seen an inverted yield curve before the previous several recessions uh, two to six quarters in advance. Well, that's a huge range of time, right? W you know, that's a couple of years. So we don't know for sure when that's going to happen. And if you pull out of the markets too early, you're going to cost yourself greatly. Uh, one of the other figures that I saw is that in the year after an inverted uh, yield curve, markets went up 9%, um, you know, over that year, since 1978, I think it was. So you're missing out on 9% gains because you've pulled way out here. You know, you're sitting on the sideline. You're going to miss on, you know, the pickup of, of, of yield, of, of interest or dividends, you know. And I also think it speaks to what we're trying to do every day for our clients, which is actively control risk. Right. And make sure that things are lining up. And so the, the smarter thing, I think, is rather than panicking or, or getting too 
preoccupied, check back in on what your strategy is. You know, make sure is your strategy where you want it to be. Are you are you handling you know the risk of a stock market correction? And I would say because we have a diversified portfolio, and we're rebalancing, we are, right? The other thing I want to point out is a recession doesn't necessarily mean uh, bad news for the stock market, because what the stock market is often referred to as a leading indicator, right? So we saw a pullback in December. We still haven't gotten back to those highs that we hit back in September of 2018. So, you know, the stock market has gone down here. The economy could, you know, not do well, but if the economy does poorly better than the market is predicting, that is to say, you know, we're saying it's going to, you know, growth is going to be at 0.5%. And instead, it's at 0.7%. You could see the market rise up in response, right? So, to to you know, even if this is correct, there's so many other variables involved that it's it's kind of a foolish thing to put too much credence in. Well, I think you're also saying that it's a foolish thing to time the market as well. I mean, it it is a good time probably now to check in on your time frame of your investments. You know, if you have a shorter time frame, you've had a nice little run in the market. You've had a nice bounce back from December. You know, take a look at your time frame. If it's short, um, you know, definitely contact us and talk about strategies there. But for most people, it's a long-term sort of investment horizon. And so it, it sounds odd to say don't worry about a recession. You know, it's kind of one of those situations, though, that you say, okay, say your worst-case scenario happens or your bad-case scenario, we'll call it, maybe not worst. You know, the inverted yield curve, we enter a recession, the stock market goes down. And then what is going to happen? The stock market's going to go back up. We're going to recover. We're going to be okay if history gives us any sort of guide. And, of course, past performance does not indicate future results, but uh, every time that the market's gone down, <laughs> it's bounced back up. So as long as you're not trying to unnecessarily time the market, and that's why we always consistently say buy and hold, buy and hold, buy and hold for long-term investors. And the time when you need to worry about timing is really when you have your time frame being short, and that's less than five years. Yeah. And, oh, no, go ahead. no, I was just going to say, I think, you know, the people that might want to think about this is the people that aren't our clients yet, right, who have a uh, not very diversified portfolio. We're, we've been worrying about this, you know, coming recession by building a, a proper portfolio for how much risk someone can take on and what their time horizon is. And, you know, we know our clients that are within five years of retirement, in retirement, you know, et cetera. We know their situations and we're handling that. But, you know, a lot of folks just have been pumping money into stock funds because over the last 10 years it's gone up and up and up and they've not realized that maybe their risk is way out of whack for their situation. And uh, global funds too. Well, I, I mean, we, we, come back to this topic many, many, many times in these podcasts, and it's because it's, it's central to what we do for literally every client. But echoing what, what Clint and, and Keith had to say, um, if you don't understand how your allocation feeds into your overall financial plan and how that dictates where you should be from a risk standpoint and where you should be from an expectation, expectation standpoint um, in regard to your time frame and where that's going to lead you when you get into your work optional lifestyle, then you're, you're really doing this in the dark. You're doing this without a flashlight, and that is a really dangerous spot to be, especially in a spot in the, in the market where the timing would tell us that, you know, we are a little long in the tooth on this, on this up market. Um, is it going to crash tomorrow? We don't know that. Is it going to crash in five years? We don't know that either. But what we do know is that if, you're, if your allocation isn't falling in line and, and um, 
uh, complementing your financial plan, you're going to have a, a, a problem. And that's a hard problem to fix when the market's fallen 10 or 15%. Yeah, yeah. If you don't plan like we've talked about, you end up, you know, bothering your coworkers about $75 that they owe you. That's exactly right. And on the table, by the way, Nate, I, I, when we went to True Value today or uh, Ace Hardware, we were kind of getting, getting some uh, screws. First of all, is there a difference between True Value and Ace Hardware? Yeah. That's two separate companies, right? Yeah. Although I don't know if True Value is even around anymore. Oh, really? Sorry if anyone works oh. at True Value and they're actually a going concern. I thought they were out of business. Uh, but I haven't been to one in a kind while. Of sticking it to this. Uh, sorry, guys. <laughs> but That's a good it, question. I feel like True Value maybe have, have, is like a back end. Like you, your local hardware store is brought to you by True Value. Like they provide the... Does that make sense? They're the franchisee. Are there people that are hellbent on only going to one of the two. That's like I'm a Fleet Farm guy, not a friend I, of Fleet I guy. hope there are people in that camp because that makes me happy when people like take that strong of a stand. L- Lowe's versus Home Depot? Do you have a preference? Yeah, there? but that's more regional now because Lowe's was always in the south and Home Depot was in, in more in the north, and so now they've kind of blended. Um, you were making a point. Yeah, you have this candy that you like out of Ace Hardware. Every time you go there. Cherry Sours. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a good combination. Of a kind of is a uh, nerds uh, with uh, Mike and Ike's is is kind of what it is. It's kind of a good a good crossroads of those two. As a disclaimer, we were not in any way compensated for this endorsement. <laughs> is that the brand? Sather's is the brand. <laughs> oh well, there you go. They make the best cherry sours. <laughs> <laughs> It's the premium <laughs> cherry sours. Well, okay, good. I'm glad that you have your brand specific. And I'm also going to say, uh, uh, as a as a side note as well, being that we're almost off on another tangent, that um, I can't let the podcast go by without mentioning the Pearl Jam album yield. Oh, there you go. And I, I think like you're it. gonna you're gonna pick your favorite track from that and include it in this week's uh, email. I am. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll take the cat out of the bag if you will. Whoever put cats in bags too, by the way. What what kind of saying is <laughs> oh. that? It's such a dumb thing. My wife this goes back to you. the the French Revolution. Actually, oh god. <laughs> wait, wait. We know this. <laughs> okay. There was, uh, and there's a great book by historian Robert Darton called "The Great Cat Massacre," and it kind of revolves around that. I'm not going to bore people with this particular wow. tangent there it because is. it's also been a while At since I've read it. At some point, the PhD it. was going to come out, and That's there it. it is. There is the, the Great Cat Massacre. Yeah. Well, that sounds very dark, too. Uh, it's, a great, it's a great book. I, I have to say, if you're interested in history, it's really one of the, the classics. Uh, talks a lot about printing presses, and yes, the Great Cat Massacre. So cat slaughters and printing presses. Sounds, sounds great. I'll check it out. So thanks again for joining us at another... <laughs> Maybe my interests are a little more edgy. esoteric. I don't know. <laughs> thanks again for joining us another Give Me Some Truth. We'll see you next time. you got to leave your money behind you. Raise your hand to the sky. Ask the masses for silence. Look more dead in the eye. Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and Mitch DeWitt are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make should be construed as giving investment advice. 
Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.